Hello and welcome to the You're an Asset podcast. I'm your host, Casey the Dollar. And on this podcast, we find out who is an asset in the financial industry and who is just an ass. Oh my God, you guys, the episode today is going to blow your mind. This week's episode, there are too many asses to count. (laughs) I have illustrations and an audio clip to go along with our story today. Now, this story comes to us from a existing client. Power3 Financial offers complimentary policy reviews. Now, this might be for somebody who is looking at purchasing a cash value life insurance policy and they want us to review the information they were given by the agent they were working with. But it could also be somebody who has a policy already in force and is wondering if we can look at it, see if it's set up correctly, make sure that it's going to bring value to their life and then figure out where to go from there. Now, it is very rare that we get a client or a potential client who reaches out with a current in-force policy and we tell them, this looks amazing. I wish it happened more than it does. Because at this point, half of the time that I spend working is, is spent on helping people with their bad policies that they already have or trying to help someone understand why they should not purchase the policy that they were presented. Now, this uh, this current client that we have, she came to us with an already in force policy. She got it a year ago. For the episode's sake, I am going to change her name, though she has given us full consent that we are able to use this information and her story for content to help educate our listeners and our followers and people like you. Without further ado, let's get into it. So our existing client... We're going to call her Jane. Jane went to a Transmerica agent and was given multiple different financial advisors to work with to help her set up a policy. Now, Transmerica is a highly rated company that's been around for a long time. But if I know anything about Transmerica, it's that they are an MLM or a pyramid scheme. And a lot of their agents are mostly doing recruiting to make money and they are not trained on how the policies actually work and how to set them up correctly. So Jane got in touch with a Transmerica agent and this Transmerica's agent's name is Tyler Pringle. Now there were three of them. So there's Tyler Pringle, who is the agent on the case. There is America Capello, who was also involved, and Crystal Jungnich, forgive me, Crystal, if I butchered your last name. So these three agents, stars of the show, asses on the podcast, because Jane landed on my schedule for a complimentary policy review. And I got on the phone with Jane. I asked her if she could send me a copy of her policy so that I could review it. And I see the name Transmerica doesn't immediately throw me off. It could be a good policy. So we check it out. And the first thing I see is that 
Jane is 20 years old when she gets this policy. Then I see that Jane is paying $200 a month into her policy. $200 a month for, for a 20-year-old. That is a great amount of money to be putting into an IUL. But the size of the death benefit, $464,000 of death benefit. Jane has no kids, no spouse, and no mortgage. She's 20 years old. Why does a 20-year-old need almost half a million dollars of life insurance coverage? It beats me. I do not understand this, first of all. Now, so I go down to the projections. I want to see the guaranteed numbers versus the non-guaranteed numbers. The first one that pops up is the guaranteed numbers. So guaranteed numbers are the insurance company saying, hey, this is what we're going to guarantee inside your policy as far as growth inside the cash value. When I look at Jane's guaranteed numbers, the cash value has $0 in it for 20 years in a row. She's continued to pay the $2,400 per year into the policy all 20 years. But even though she continues to contribute, the policy lapses and eats itself and goes away. They're guaranteeing her that if she contributes 48 grand over 20 years, she will no longer have a policy anymore. But what happens when we look at the non-guaranteed assumed column, where we see a annual 7% return? An annual 7% return is a really good illustrated rate, okay? But in Jane's illustration, she keeps paying the $2,400 a year, and even with a 7% annual return, on year 10, she has $2,400 in her cash value. So again, nine years of nothing. It took her nine years to even start building a cash value. $24,000 she's contributed, $2,400 available and that same $464,000 death benefit over her head. At this point, I'm furious. I cannot believe that someone would sell this person this policy. There is literally no value. She has no money to access. That is the whole point of these policies. They're called cash value, life insurance policies. If you're an agent and you're not setting up an IUL to build a cash value for your client, what are you doing? Good job, Crystal, America, and Tyler. Your 20-year-old client who's trying to put money away for the future will have nothing to show for it in 20 years. What are you doing? So Jane then tells me that she has an audio clip from the agents talking to her about her policy and explaining the benefits of it. And I want to share that with you guys here. Not just because it's awful what they've done to Jane, but because this is what Power 3 Financial is up against. These are the kinds of agents that make us look bad. These are the kinds of agents that a couple episodes ago I talked about financial advisors who are actually financial advisors and they work with traditional investment accounts. They hate us because of people like Crystal America and Tyler from Transamerica. And I absolutely understand why. Power 3 Financial prides ourselves on being as transparent and honest as possible and setting up our clients in a beneficial, valuable policy. And when we see things like this, 
We completely understand why people think the insurance industry is shit. But that's why we're here. That's why we started this podcast, because of people like this. So let's listen to this audio clip and break it down. Crystal is the one speaking in the audio clip. So this policy is permanent. And what I mean by that is that it is going to go with you for the rest of your life. Um, even if you want to, ch- I mean, the only time you'll ever change it is if you're borrowing money from it or if you want to upgrade to a bigger one because your income is probably going to increase as you move forward in your career, if that makes sense, right? The more money you make, the more money you save, right, naturally. So that's probably a change that you might have to make in a couple of years or so. Okay. So Crystal is currently telling Jane that this is a permanent policy, which that's true. That is correct. And that she won't ever change the policy unless she borrows from it or she wants to make it bigger. Well, there are something called guidelines within an IUL. They give you a max contribution amount and a minimum contribution amount. Reminder, Jane is contributing $2,400 into her policy. If we go back and look at the illustration of Jane's policy, the guidelines, the first one, the seven pay, says that Jane is allowed to contribute a little bit more than $19,900 per year for the first seven years of her current policy. So Crystal is sitting here explaining to Jane that she might want to make this policy bigger sometime in the future, even though Jane currently is allowed to contribute 17,000 more dollars into her policy. Really, Crystal? Do you have an extra 17 grand laying around that you want to throw at life insurance? Do you know other 20-year-olds that do? Have you seen our economy? Heard any? Do you watch that? No? Okay. Anyway, it pisses me off initially that Crystal is talking about contributing more into this policy because She did not educate Jane from the beginning that she can contribute a certain amount into her policy, which is a lot more than what she planned to contribute. If you're going to educate someone on how much they can fund their IUL, educate them transparently and upfront with the facts that tell them, hey, this is how much you can contribute. And if you ever need to contribute more than that, want to contribute more than that then we can see about what your options are at that point. But don't tell someone that you can contribute more without ever educating them on the current limitations of their existing policy. Jane told me that she had no idea what the limitations on her policy were, yet she was being educated on the fact that she might one day want to increase the size of her policy without even knowing the size of her policy. Let's hear what Crystal has to say next. So this policy will do... A lot of things for you. but This policy will do a lot of things for you. Crystal, how is Jane going to do anything with her policy if even at a 7% annual interest rate, she has no money inside her cash value? Did you look at the illustration of the policy? Do you know which one we're talking about here? Or are you just reading off a script? And we proceed. But number one, it'll help you accumulate tax-advantaged wealth. Tax-advantaged wealth. <laughs> Crystal, <laughs> what what tax advantaged wealth is Jane getting from her policy? Nine years of zeros. Where's the tax advantaged wealth? I don't see any. 
the only way Jane gets any access to any of this tax-advantaged wealth is if she were to get extremely sick or she were to die and her family would get the wealth. There's no money for her to access. What are you talking about? You hear all these things about the news where it's like, you know, Biden wants to raise taxes and inflation and blah, 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 blah. So the, you want to think about this as like a savings account, but like on steroids. <laughs> oh, so Crystal knows about the economy. So she, Crystal, you, you know what's happening in the world these days? You know how wealthy 20 year olds are <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. Yes, the taxes are rising and you might want to put more money into a tax advantaged account. Well, Crystal, if Jane were to even put, let's say Jane went through 10 grand into her policy, she's still not going to have any tax advantaged wealth or any money to benefit her during her life as all of these things are happening like inflation and rising taxes. Those just seem like buzzwords that you heard from someone that sounded kind of scary and so you're telling them to other people, but you don't actually know what you're talking about. I really am starting to think that you never even looked at this illustration that you gave Jane, but you said this was a savings account on steroids. Where's the savings? In the nine years of zero dollars in the cash value, does zero mean something differently when you work at Transamerica? An IUL can absolutely be a savings account on steroids, but not the way that you make them. Not the way that you guys are setting them up. Let's continue. Because if you put money into this account, it's protected in so many ways. Not only that, but you do get the upside of the market, right? And so the numbers that America went over, that's just the minimum. That's our worst case. Like, wow. because we are fiduciaries, right, we have to show you our worst case scenarios. So who's to say that it's always going to be the worst case? Like, what if your what if your account does 15 percent? Lot to unpack there. <laughs> Crystal showed Jane the worst case scenario. And we've gone over those numbers. The worst, worst case scenario was that she pays into the policy for 20 years and then has no policy. The best worst case scenario that crystal is talking about is still 10 years of funding $2,400 a year resulting in a $2,400 cash value that was at a 7% interest rate like we talked about but crystal says that what what if you earn 15% what if you what if you earn double in your IUL even at 15% interest that cash value was still not going to grow that money that she was earning in her policy is being spent to keep the almost half a million dollars of death benefit alive. And IULs average an 8% return. Where are you getting 15% on average? Because a 7% return, the highest return that you showed, Jane, you're claiming that's your worst numbers. I only show them a 5.9% return. They all have money on year one, though. So, Crystal, I don't know what you're doing with your policies, but you're you're hurting people. And for you to throw out the fact that you're a fiduciary, if that's even a fact. But if Crystal and Tyler and America um, have only been in the industry for a couple years and they're working for Transmerica and ultimately an MLM, it is very likely, in my opinion, that they just threw out the fiduciary title just to gain trust over a very innocent consumer.
I am not a fiduciary and I would never set up a policy for someone the way you set up Jane's policy. I don't know how you sleep at night. And if you are a fiduciary, if any of these people are fiduciaries, their titles should be stripped immediately. All right, Crystal, what else you got? It's going to grow at that index rate. So anytime that you have extra funds that you're not using, I would highly encourage just dumping it into this account. And what you can do is you can call the company and say, hey, I have an extra $600. I'd like to put it into my account, into my policy. And you can do that, right? Okay, Crystal. Again, I'm not sure you've seen the illustration that she just sold Jane because if she went and put $600 into her policy, it would literally go nowhere. You'd be throwing it into a black hole of nothing. If 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 Jane put $600 into her policy even every year for 10 years, she still wouldn't have a cash value on year nine. She still wouldn't have any of this tax-advantaged wealth that you were talking about in the beginning. So if you're going to educate someone on how to use their policy, make sure you first educated them on the actual policy's limitations because this is just completely irrelevant and nonsense. The only way that Jane would benefit off of this policy is if she came up with an extra 10 to 15 grand per year and put it into this policy. $600 is going to do anything, Crystal. Diagnosed with some sort of chronic, critical, or terminal illness. Well, guess what? Your policy, if you scroll, what is the face amount on this? Yeah, America? what is the face amount, Crystal? I don't know. Face amount, I don't know. So, Crystal, just proved my point, you guys. She's never seen this policy before. She's never seen this policy. She doesn't know what the death benefit is. And America doesn't know either. How can two out of the three people that have worked on the policy for Jane and are on the phone, all, all four of them, Jane, Crystal, America, and Tyler, are all on the phone, and you heard them say, what is the death benefit? I don't know. I don't remember. Wow. The confidence, the trust that I would be not willing to give any of them. <laughs> Continue. The face amount for this policy is $464,000. $464,000. So let's say, for example, something happens to you. This is not just something that if you pass away, the money goes to your family, even though that's great. That's great, right? Um, if you need like money for a cancer treatment, which cancer treatment is really expensive, you can use from the $464,000 to pay for your treatments. So this policy is gonna support your life. Crystal thinks that this policy brings Jane value because if she needed cancer treatment, it would give her some money to cover the expenses. Cancer treatment would be expensive. Now, the living benefits, the critical chronic and terminal illness rider, don't just cover cancer treatment. They cover all kinds of critical and chronic illness and injuries, as well as terminal illnesses. Now, Jane told me, and she told me she told them as well, that, hey, the point of me getting it is so that I can build up a cash value to ultimately be able to help my older parents later on in life because they haven't been able to save money during their lifetime. So I wanted to do something nice to prepare for my future, but also 
to have a emergency savings for my parents in case they need help financially. And not that living benefits are not a beneficial thing to have. I see a lot of value in living benefits for every person. I wish everyone had living benefits. But I'm just making the point that Jane got this policy to build a cash value. She did not ask for half a million dollars worth of living benefits in case she were to get sick or injured. Jane did not care about this. And most young people in general... They're not thinking about getting sick or injured. They're thinking about the next 10 years of their financial future. They're thinking about debt that they might take on. They're thinking about needing savings. Or they're thinking about helping their family by saving money. None of Jane's priorities for purchasing this policy have been met or heard. Because she had three people supposedly looking out for her. And all they care about is giving her this sales pitch on why living benefits are beneficial and can bring her value in the worst-case scenario situations. If we go and take a little snapshot of the illustration where Jane is earning 7% annual interest, when she's age 50, she will have contributed $72,000. The cash value at that point will have a total of $82,500. That's 30 years of funding that Jane did. She put away $72,000 just to earn ten grand, and that is money that she is supposed to help her family with. That is how you set up her policy so that she can help her family. When her parents might be 80 years old at this point, you think that that money is going to help Jane be able to help her family? I don't think so, not for one second. All right, Crystal, <laughs> what else you got? Okay. Mm -hmm. What's crazy is that there's so many things that we like these days. We like things. We like phones. We like cars. We like computers. We like stuff, right? But what is the number two things that people fail to protect and keep safe? We have car insurance. We have phone insurance. We have renter's insurance. We have home insurance. But what do we fail to protect? We fail to protect our lives and we fail to protect our money. And that's what you're doing here with this policy. You're protecting your life and your money. She's protecting her life, sure. She's not protecting her money. Her money is going nowhere. It's doing nothing. We've we've established that. But Crystal, I agree with you that we all like things. I like things. Ryan likes things. <laughs> Ryan's listening to me make this. He likes things. But what things can Jane buy with her cash value in the next 10 years? She can't even get a brand new iPhone in nine years with her cash value. What kind of things are we talking about? You can't buy things with zero dollars, Crystal. And if, Crystal, you mean that Jane shouldn't buy things so that she can put money into her policy, what kind of things do you think Jane likes that she's buying that would help her fill up her policy to $19,000 for seven years in a row? And even if she had extra money and she didn't buy things, like, say, she didn't go buy a new iPhone for, what, $1,000 and she put that money into her policy, would she have money to buy more things? No, she wouldn't. Jane would still not have anything in her cash value that would ha help her buy any things. She would have no things and no money to buy things. Crystal is absolutely reading a script. This, is, this has got to be the same thing that Crystal tells everybody. Because it has nothing to do with what she wanted. And if Crystal actually looked at the policy, she could have advised Jane, hey, you need to put $15,000 more into this policy so you can go buy things. Okay, Crystal, what else you got? 
And so that's why I just want to really like make sure you know what it is that you have. This is a beautiful thing that Tyler and America set up for you guys. And um, just hold on to it forever. <laughs> okay. But if the policy doesn't perform, um, you know, in those worst case scenario projections come true, Jane will literally not be able to hold on to the policy. Like you're forever she will lose her policy even by trying her hardest but it just it grosses me out like it gets i got the chills the ick of her saying hold on to this forever as if that was a very easy thing for jane to accomplish the target premium as in like the minimum contribution per year on the policy right that you want to be able to contribute this figure into your policy and then overfund it jane had a target premium on her policy of $2,900. Jane was set up to pay $2,400. You see, that's a negative $500 difference that Jane is below her target premium, meaning that if Jane only pays $2,400 into her policy for, say, 20 years, the insurance carrier is going to turn around and ask Jane for more money no matter what because she's not even contributing the target premium inside her IUL contract. This is a contract. And if you don't follow the guidelines, you can't hold on to it forever. And if your agent screws you over and ha sets you up to pay less than the target premium on the policy, even funding it with the money that you said you were going to fund it with, you won't be able to have the policy forever because people screwed you over. You should never only be paying the target premium on your policy and paying even less than the target premium. God, that is what the worst of the worst types of insurance agents do to their clients. The worst of the worst bottom of the barrel tactic right there. And then to go and turn around and say, Jane, hold on to this forever. It's such a beautiful thing. Wow. Okay. Are we going to end on like a good note? Maybe. No, let's find out. Okay. So I want you to look to America and Tyler as your financial professionals. So let's say, for example, you're thinking about making a huge financial decision. Like you want to go buy a home or you want to go buy a car or you, you know, want to do, you want to start school and you want to take on a big loan, yeah. right? America and Tyler are two highly credible people that you can seek to for advice and say, hey, should I make this move? Is this a wise decision? Do I have money in my IUL account that I can borrow so I can support that decision? She did not. She did not. Oh, okay. So she mentioned starting school and taking out student loans, buying a car, buying real estate. When would Jane be able to do any of those things? When when would Jane even have $20,000 in her cash value? When Jane is 40 years old, she will have contributed $48,000 and she will have a cash value of $36,000. Is that when Jane should think about going back to school? I don't think that $36,000 even covers four years of a state school and a down payment for a house when you're 40 because i'm assuming like at 40 you maybe you have a partner maybe you have kids is that enough to put on a down payment on a house not with 20 years of inflation so jane would have to wait until she's 40 to be able to buy a very average honda 20 years of funding her policy again crystal did you look at this policy i i really doubt it and then to say that Jane, you can go talk to America and Tyler anytime. They're your financial professionals. 
They're here to help you make these big decisions. Well, guess what? Fun fact. Tyler Pringle and America Capello are no longer licensed in the industry. So they are no longer financial professionals for Jane to reach out to. Funny how that works. We couldn't even find an active license for Crystal. It seems like Crystal's only job these days is that she's an admin for a financial services company, and she just sets people up with appointments. It worries me that uh, Crystal is giving financial advice at all when she does not have an active license. As far as we can tell, Crystal's license expired in January of 2022. This phone call was made in August of 2022. Ryan just did a quick fiduciary check on America, Crystal, and Tyler, and nothing comes up. Let's see how Crystal proceeds from this one. Because if you properly fund this for 12 years and even put extra, you might have the liquidity to take that money and put it towards your first home. Did you know that? 12 years. 12, 12 years if you continue funding your policy, put in a little extra, close are Crystal's words, a little extra, by year 12, you might have money to go and make one of those purchases. Let's go look at what year 12 said for Miss Jane at a 7% interest rate. On year 12, Jane will have $9,500. That might cover a semester. Probably not even. That's not going to cover a car. And you cannot put a down payment on real estate. And a little extra. Okay, so she did say, you know, a little extra if you want to fund the policy a little bit more. What is a little extra? to you crystal because your 600 example that's not that's a little extra but it's not going to do anything unless you're saying a little extra like just you know a little extra here 10 grand there 20 grand over here if that's a little extra to you then yeah sure your claims might be accurate but i'm pretty sure that you don't mean a little extra like a little 10 grand that you have hanging around and you can just throw into this policy. This is all false. We're almost done here with Crystal's audio, but we have to continue. We have to continue. Did you know that? Mm -mm. Yeah. So this thing is like, I'm telling you, like, uh, read through the read through things. If you have any questions, let American Tyler know. Um, now you know me, so I'm a resource as well, too, for several years now. Um, and just, you know, super excited for you to have this. And the advantage to you is that you're doing this when you're young. You know, there are people who are trying to get this at the age of 50 and it's already too late. Yeah. You're young and healthy now and you're locking in a really good health rating where there are people who are diabetic and can't qualify for stuff like this mm. and they're older. Thank God it's over. Okay. Good thing Jane's doing this when she's young because, you know, at 50, you know, you can't get any more insurance. It's just so expensive. That's weird because um, tomorrow I'm going to set up a 53-year-old with an, with an IUL, and he's going to have a cash value within the first year of his policy, and he's very excited about the value that it brings to the rest of his life and for his family. So that sounded a little bit like a scare tactic, if you ask me, to make Jane feel like, oh my gosh, like I, I need to have this policy and I need to make sure that I'm protecting myself and my family and my money, even though in reality, the policy is not doing any of those things other than Yes, providing Jane a death benefit, but at what cost? It does not cost $2,400 to have half a million dollars of insurance coverage over your head. You could get half a million dollars for $30 a month if you wanted to get a term policy instead of an IUL. 
So what exactly are we trying to scare Jane into doing that is good for her? The logic is lost on me. Jane is a 20-year-old who wants to set money aside for her future and to help her family. This policy accomplished none of those things, and then to end the call by reminding her that other people in different situations or different ages wouldn't be able to get this same policy that she's getting, it's just not true. Majority of our clients at Power3 Financial fall in the ages 35 to 55. Jane is ahead of her time, ahead of her generation, by even wanting to get an IUL, by even thinking about life insurance. And you went... And you did her so dirty that I'm having to blast it all over social media. Uh, We're blasting it all over the podcast. So a message to the listeners, make sure you look over your illustration before you sign on the dotted line. Now, I have to give Jane some credit because I know that Jane didn't know much about IULs. And she was looking to these financial professionals for help, for guidance. And that is what they're supposed to do. They even made Jane feel like they held themselves to the highest regard and that the state held them to the highest regard, which we don't even know if that's true or not. And even if it is true, they didn't hold themselves to a higher standard in Jane's case. If you ever have questions about your illustration, the policy that you're going to get, there are people out there that will help you make sure that you're making the right decision. Hi, I'm people. Ryan's behind, behind the scenes. He's people too everyone at Power3 Financial, that is what we do. If you need help with your current policy, a policy you're thinking about purchasing, please reach out to us. We would be happy to help you make sure that you're making the right decision. And if you're not, we can help you figure out what the right decision is. Now, as far as Jane goes, Jane is in the process of canceling this policy. She is working with Transamerica as we speak, and we will be setting her up with a brand new IUL from a different carrier where she still continues to pay $200 a month. But guess what the size of that death benefit's gonna be? $50,000. And in 10 years, Jane will have contributed $24,000. And guess how much she'll have in her cash value? At least $24,000. Jane will have a minimum annual contribution of something less than $500, meaning that if life ever happens and she can't contribute her $2,400 for that year, All she has to do is contribute $500, and she's in good standing with her policy. Now, Jane is not going to get any of her money back from canceling her policy. She had it for a year. The insurance company held that death benefit over her head and promised to pay it out if anything happened to Jane, and there's nothing for her to get back, unfortunately. Jane is okay with that because it means that she's going to know where her money is going now. Now she's going to have a policy that's actually going to accumulate a cash value within the next 12 months. And she feels like she has a better understanding of what her money's doing, how it's working, and where it's going. She can actually see it this time. And that makes Jane feel a whole lot better. There was no fancy sales pitch to go through. No talk about purchasing things. So if you're like Jane and you need help with your policy or you just need help making sure you purchase the right one, Power3 Financial is your place to go. You can reach out to us, www.power3financial.com. Myself, Ryan, and McCall are the three agents who work for Power3 Financial. If you get in contact with any of us, you will be in good hands. Okay, what an episode, you guys. 
I hope you had fun listening. I hope you learned a lot. I hope you know what to look out for. The insurance industry itself is full of people like Crystal, America, and Tyler. And it is hard to know who to trust when it comes to purchasing a cash value life insurance policy. The information on how they're supposed to be set up is not readily available. And agents like myself and Brian and McCall from Power3 Financial, we are up against some of the worst kinds of people in the world that are only looking out for themselves and are only doing this for their own benefit. So do your research. Listen to the podcast. Go find me on TikTok at Casey the Dollar and watch my videos. Reach out to us if you need more information. Put a sunglasses emoji in the comment section if you think I'm an asset. Or put three peach emojis for our three asses of the show and an extra one for Transamerica. This is honestly the result of Transamerica and their business model of recruiting. This has been the You're an Asset podcast where we find out who is an asset in the financial industry and who is just an ass. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. Bye. The You're an Asset podcast is not giving financial advice. We are not licensed financial advisors, and our licensing is strictly in insurance products. The information that we talk about is specific to the products that we work with. We cannot guarantee that other agents will have the same product features that we discuss on the show.